Good presentation, Tim. Thank you. Uh, our final presenter is Ed Lee. Uh, Ed has 30 years transportation experience. Uh, he spent 20 years with Orga, Oregon Department of Transportation, where he managed uh, corridors and uh, general planning. For the last 10 years, he's been with Florida DOT. He's currently Administrator of Rail Planning and Safety. Uh, Ed was instrumental in uh, development of Florida's strategic intermodal system. Uh, he holds a bachelor's degree from Concordia University, an MS and an MBA from uh, Merrill Hurst University, and uh, has completed his coursework for a PhD in public administration and policy from uh, Portland State University. Uh, join me in welcoming Ed Lee. Thank you. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be the last speaker before lunch because everybody wants you to finish fast. So hopefully this won't take too long. Uh, as Fred said, uh, I work with Florida Department of Transportation. Uh, I've been very active in the development of the SIS uh, or Strategic Intermodal System, which is what I'm here to talk about a little bit today, and uh, especially focus that on the rail mode since that's the part of the organization I work in. First, want to give you a definition of our strategic intermodal system in Florida. What is SIS? Uh, effectively, it's a system of roads, rail lines, seaports, airports, uh, essentially all the modes except for transit uh, that serve an interstate, statewide, or interregional transportation purpose. Uh, on this slide, I say that it was designated by the Florida legislature in 2003. But it really came out of, of our, uh, in 2000, we had the development of our 2020 Florida Transportation Plan. And one of the things that came out of that was a recommendation that we develop a system that crossed all modes and didn't focus on highways specifically. Uh, the legislature took this up, uh, kind of led the charge by the Senate, Transpor Senate Transportation Committee leader, uh, who shepherded it through that process, and in 2003 they designated that system. And then in 2004 they actually came back and put some money to go along with that uh, to the tune of about $100 million a year. The next year they decided that $100 million wasn't enough, so they came back and as part of a growth piece of growth management legislation that was put forth by our governor at that time, uh, they dedicated uh, about four and three quarters billion dollars over a ten-year period in general revenue fund. So this was money that just came out of the general tax rolls and not out of our trust fund. This is a rather detailed map here. Uh, I would assume that in your handouts that you will eventually get, you'll be able to see this. This map is available on the department's website. Essentially, shows every piece of the system that's been designated as part of our strategic intermodal system. But I'm here to focus on the rail system. So I've highlighted that part of the map for you on here. As you can see, uh, we have two different levels of 
our cysts, uh, first being full cysts, which are essentially the backbone of our transportation system. Uh, in Florida, as far as rail goes, that means that CSX and, and Norfolk Southern are two Class 1s. Uh, Florida East Coast Railroad, our regional railroad, our Class 2 railroad, are essentially full cis facilities. Uh, the red lines that you see on there are the short lines. We wanted to make sure that the short lines also had an adequate s source of funding in the CIS, and as part of that, they became a good share of those became designated as emerging CIS system. Pieces that we have envisioned that in the future would become part of a statewide network. Uh, out of the 2,900 miles or so of rail system in the state of Florida, uh, Probably 90% of that mileage is part of the CIS system. What were the priorities that we used in setting, spending this money that we got, this uh, windfall? First, we wanted to make sure that we invested the money in rail consistent with the policy direction from our Florida transportation plan and then at the next lower level from our Florida rail system plan. Uh, with the initial go-round, we had set of priorities there that were in priority order, uh, bringing the entire CIS rail system up to the 286,000-pound standard. Uh, this sounds kind of uh, like something that's targeted toward the short lines, but in all actuality, making this kind of investment so that our short lines could handle the industry standard cars has an impact on the entire rail system, not just in Florida, but nationally. Uh, when a car... A half-full car leaves a short-line railroad. It doesn't go on to CSX, and then they fill it the rest of the way. It makes its entire trip half-full. So it makes sense to try and fill that car up when it's still on the short-line railroad. Our second priority was to eliminate bottlenecks. Uh, these two top priorities are probably the ones we figured had the biggest bang for the buck because uh, they're generally small projects, don't require a huge amount of investment, but they have huge returns. Additionally, we were looking at minimizing the conflicts between passenger and freight railroad operations and facilitating the interaction between rail and the other modes, most specifically at ports, uh, at terminal facilities. What are we funding on the system? Well, you can see that uh, we're spending a lot of money. It's not all focused in one part of the state. Uh, we're making investments, uh, everything from a, about a $1.7 million investment on the First Coast Railroad, which is up there in the, the northeast corner of the state, uh, to spending about $244 million on CSX. And this gets to the investment that Lisa was talking about uh, with the S-Line, uh, making the improvements there. Overall, uh, one of the good things about this is that every investment that we make in freight rail requires a match on the part of the railroad. Uh, this means that we've been able to leverage about $368 million worth of public investment to do about $435 million worth of actual projects. And as has also been talked about, I believe Kevin addressed it a little bit, and Lisa addressed it also, one of the things that we had to make sure of uh, under state law is that all projects benefiting private entities must have public benefits exceeding the public costs. Uh, we've already talked about this a little bit in the other presentations. How do railroad projects benefit the taxpayers? Uh, number one, congestion mitigation, uh, the reduction of highway maintenance costs, 
reduced shipper costs. Uh, this is probably one of the key ones. Uh, reducing shipper costs is a target uh, for, for the siting locations of a lot of businesses. Uh, in our discussions with shippers over the last few years, several of them have expressed the fact that they stay in Florida simply because they have good rail service. Economic development stimulation, uh, this goes beyond just the actual construction projects themselves. Uh, again, there are a lot of times that businesses make their siting decisions based on their railroad ability. Uh, reduced environmental and energy impacts, and finally improved safety. We do benefit cost analysis in two different areas. Uh, First, when we're looking at a passenger investment, we do a specific project-specific analysis that takes into account all of the benefits. Uh, as Fred mentioned, I believe, earlier, uh, we did an analysis for the Central Florida Rail Corridor effort that we're looking at. Uh, that effort came out with a benefit cost of just under three to one. Uh, but we also have developed a Florida freight rail investment calculator that helps us look specifically at freight projects, which is developed uh, with the assistance of Cambridge Systematics and allows just the input of a few simple items that are very easy to collect from the railroads and evaluates both the overall benefit cost as well as just the benefit cost within the state of Florida. Real briefly, I wanted to kind of show you some of the inputs that were there. Uh, this model that was developed allows us to set some basic parameters anytime that we need to change them or update them. Uh, things like the average tons per truck, uh, the amount of money that the department has to spend on rail projects, uh, what the time value of money is, what your discount rate is, basic things like that. You can set one time at the beginning of your model. And then we have each railroad who submits a project provide us with uh, some very limited information. Uh, number one, what they envision the annual increase will be in number of trains, which we translate into a truck equivalent, number of non-rail jobs that they anticipate this uh, generating, uh, total square foot of businesses that will be served by this, uh, trip time reduction, uh, number of grade crossings that will be impacted, the number of minutes that uh, will be reduced in the amount of crossing blockage and the average length of haul. This is one of the great things about this is that by entering that information, we're then able to essentially push a button and it gives us the answer as far as benefit costs go. Uh, you can see that the project that I had up there before, which was a uh, 286,000-pound upgrade uh, on the South Central Florida Express from Sebring to Moorhaven. It was a $14 million project with a $10.5 million state investment. That particular project yields about $172 million in public benefits for an overall benefit cost ratio of 12.3 to 1 and a Florida benefit cost ratio of 16.4 to 1. Once a project is defined uh, as being something we want to invest in, then we have to look back at the actual program and say, what is it that makes the SIS successful? 
Well, number one is that it was driven and developed by stakeholder input. It's not something that the department thought was a good idea and then just charged ahead with. Uh, we were essentially driven by our stakeholders. Uh, additionally, we work in partnership with the rail industry and with service providers. Uh, this would not work if it were not for the, the willingness of railroads to invest and to work within our time frames. Additionally, it's that ability to leverage funding uh, that I talked about a little earlier, $386 million in public investment, gave us the ability to do $435 million in projects, and finally that abil ability to demonstrate public benefits of our investment. Uh, the results of that model statewide have demonstrated that $386 million of public investment are yielding over 20 years about $6.5 billion in benefits. So it's very easy to demonstrate the value uh, to our leadership of making this kind of investment. But most important thing that, that I can say is something that, that was echoed earlier this morning by a friend from California in talking about passenger rail. Leadership support is what makes the CIS work. Uh, that leadership coming from our governor, uh, from our legislature, and from our department management. This is something that we couldn't have done without. And with that, I believe I'm finished.